Hey everybody, Ryan here, DM of these intrepid adventurers, the Rift Walkers. Happy you're here for another episode and thank you for listening. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest patron, Evan Samet. Thanks so much for supporting the show. It really means a lot. If you want to help us out, you can check out our Patreon, leave us a nice review, or even just tell your friends. That's the best way to help the podcast grow. Thanks again for listening, and here is Riftwalkers. Last time, the party had been split after interacting with a strange gemstone on an altar as undead hordes rushed all around them. Before they could meet their demise, however, they were transported. Three to one plane, three to another. Where they ended up, they don't know. But surely, trials lie ahead. With Efron, Reese, and Lyrian, they awaken to an everlasting night above them. Red and orange-eyed ravens looking down atop the battered tower that they took shelter in for their rest. And we've just woken up from something, right? Yeah, you woke up and then you realized that time hasn't changed. All right, Reese awakens from his sleep, realizing that nothing really has changed about their surroundings from the time that they laid down to rest. He looks around him, observing Efron and Lyrian. What are they doing? Lyrian is still standing watch. I'm sure it has not escaped your observant eyes that it is still night. And I am sure that you have also observed that the crows are still here watching us. Yes, quite. They do add a certain ambiance to this place, wouldn't you say? Ambiance is not the word that I would use. Perhaps danger. Well, I believe we should leave. I agree. We should try to find a way out of here as quickly as possible. Hey, so I just have a question. At the end of the last episode, they started to swarm once we, the the birds, once we did something in our realm. Is that accurate? They were just circling above. Uh, circling above, okay. Now Reese addressing Lyrian. Lyrian. Did you see anything while we were asleep? Not much. It's just kind of like we've seen before. It's dark and it seems almost like ruins all around here. There doesn't seem to be anybody else. Very well. Then I suggest we return to the road. Perhaps we can find a new landmark or something we can venture towards. I agree. All right. Does anyone have a torch? Or a candle? Isn't his face basically <laughs> a torch? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. He, it is. Reese, if you would be so kind as to lead the way with your... Bright features. <laughs> I mean, it's not dark out. Right, like the, the moon's pretty bright, right? Yeah, it's sort of this twilight haze settled upon everything, amplifying the moonlight. Now, did we see any bigger buildings or what looked to be anything closer to a settlement um, last time? I can't remember. Not a settlement, no, but there was a mountain range a bit closer than the others that seemed to hide a valley behind it. I suggest that we go towards the mountains. There is probably a valley somewhere nearby. And at the very least, we can gain some high ground and observe the land from a better vantage point. Lyrian, what do you say? I agree. The mountains are a very advantageous place. Very well. Then Reese finishes rolling up his bedroll and packing up what few things he had gotten out for the night, and he's ready to go. And the group heads off following the road towards the mountains. Yes. If there's a road going towards the mountains. A path is a more accurate term. Road is a bit too generous. (laughs) I see. And then the group follows the path towards the mountains. As they're leaving, Reese reaches within him to see if he can feel any sense of a being beyond just the regular mortal realm 
aka he's calling divine sense to see if there's any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet of him there's definitely a presence but it's not concentrated everything here just seems to be imbued with some sort of otherworldly essence okay cool then yeah risa notes that and leads the way on this path this path leads along the stream that you had originally started in And as you're going along it, it's pretty easy to see that there are footprints in the mud at the banks of the stream. Tossled dirt where herbs or mossy growths may have been recently uprooted. Whether by an animal or something else is unclear. I want to look at the footprints closer and see if I can tell whether or not they were made by a beast or a man. Or if they're multiple sets of tracks. Roll a nature check. Uh, 15. These look to be made by a being that stands upright, and the patterns in the ground where such plants and whatnot have been uprooted seem more deliberate than random grazing. Do the footprints appear very deep, like it would be like a a heavier set person, or...? No, it seems to be pretty shallow. Okay. Ifran, there does seem to be some kind of other being here, it seems to be upright they're not very heavy so i don't think it's any kind of beast Hmm. and can you tell where these tracks lead perhaps this other being will be able to help us and at the very least you said that is probably not very heavy and there is only one so if it is hostile towards us i'm sure we can handle ourselves it does seem to have uh, some intelligence it went after these herbs very intentionally and so i think it could be a good plan what do you think reese i agree i mean aside from those birds back there where we rested i haven't seen another living thing this thing at least could could point us in the right direction so in fact the birds have actually followed you yeah they still circle ahead yikes then by all means if you can find out where this creature went we should seek it out i would like to follow the tracks right it's not hard The tracks follow the stream until the stream ends, and the tracks continue for a little ways, going toward the mountain range, the closer one. It would be a few hours' walk at most to get to the supposed valley that rests behind it. Then I'm going to say we take a few hours at most and head over to that valley. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yep. If it's anything more, though, we're turning back. So as you continue along this path that eventually just fades into the rest of nature, you have a clear shot into this valley. Rounding the large mountain pass, familiar lights and sounds grow more frequent as you wade through flowing, waist-high grass that almost seems to glow a deep purple when you touch it, flanked by pines in a dark hue of green, which they may as well be black. As you move further past the mountain bend, you catch a glimpse of a quaint, valley and its inhabitants now in this glimpse of the inhabitants uh, are they are they like still pretty pretty far out like we can't tell what they look like very well no once you're around this bend like this all comes into view okay cool so elaborately constructed wooden abodes line the edges of the valley or cling to the cliff sides braziers and etched staircases leading up to each home Cloaked inhabitants go to and fro. From their ivory sheen and gaunt features, it's apparent they are all sanguine. Okay. That's only apparent to a Fran, right? Because Reese has no idea what a sanguine is. (laughs) 
Yeah, Reese and Lyrian have never seen a sanguine. Okay, so. perfect. Yeah, well, then the Fron looks at Lyrian and Reese, and he says, It seems we have stumbled upon a sanguine village. I do not believe either of you are familiar with the sanguine people, but luckily for you, I happen to speak the language as best I can. Uh, it is quite intricate and quite impossible to completely speak fluently if you are not a sanguine yourself. You will understand what I mean as we approach. And Efron looks for, um, he looks for, I guess, the closest uh, figure walking by. Are they like still a ways out or? No, they're pretty close. Okay. He calls to one of them and this time in the sanguine language, he says, Greetings, friend. And it's not hard to get their attention, as a number of them have already noticed you and started moving down from their homes or from inside the valley to your position. We're going to flash over to our other group now, who was in a separate plane, if you remember. Kicking it. I totally remember. Yeah, didn't we find like a sweet mm-hmm. or I guess broken down fortress and then there's like a giant anvil and a burning forge? Yes, I yeah. believe I had just cast invisibility on the three of us. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then you heard a huge flapping of wings as a large form approached you. It's a pterodactyl. I will also um, dismiss the archbishop. <laughs> okay. Smart. So that there's not just a floating <laughs> barn owl. <laughs> well, does he go away? Can he return to the fae? Yeah, so he goes back to like the Fey plane, and then yeah, yeah, I yeah. can resummon him. So, so this, this is my question. Like, this is to Ryan as DM. Is he? He can just get out of the plane, and he's fine. Oh yeah, that is a good question. It would seem so. Okay, okay cool, huh. cool. Hopefully, she can come back. <laughs> <laughs> Lost forever. So, are you? You're all in this tower by this forge, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I can't remember if we entered into the tower. I think you did. I think we did. I was. I was looking at some sanguine written. I think on the inside of it. Right. Right. So, as you're all invisible now, hiding in this tower, this figure, which as it comes closer, appears to be a large woman with wings. And she sets down gracefully right outside the tower and then steps inside. She furls her wings over her immense form. And you can see that her body is strange. Muscle and sinew crisscross over her in inhuman patterns. But it's quickly all covered when her wings transform into a simple garment that then flows around her feet. She draws a large sword from her hip and places it gently on the edge of the forge. Then gives the bellows a few good pumps, heating it up. As she wipes the sweat from her brow, she drags a stool over to beside the anvil. And then sits, patiently waiting. So, is she so large as to dwarf this anvil? Well, remember, the anvil's like six feet tall, you surmised. Oh, Yeah, wow. so she's I, huge, yeah. I had way <laughs> higher in my head. So it's proportional so, okay. to her, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's proportional okay. to her. Okay, Val has his hands just, like, knotted in the backs of <laughs> um, the shirts of his companions, holding onto them so that they don't get separated. I whisper to my companions, I say, Well, what now? What are we to do? As Mick lets out a little whisper, her eyes look right in your direction. Ugh. You get a better look of her face now. It's flat and decorated with scars. Her hair is in a tight top knot, revealing cut-up ears and a burnt neck. Her nose is gone, shorn off completely. Only a few bits of dangling flesh remain. One of her eyes is a milky white, where the other is a brilliant purple, red veins clouding its white. She gives a little laugh and a smile as she then retrieves her sword from the forge 
and lays its hot tip on the anvil. And she says, I can smell you, you know. <laughs> should, should we go? Well, uh, it's no use hiding ourselves now. Hang, hang on, hang on. Well, I guess I mean, she you, could hear us talking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can smell you, you know. And then you just hear a bunch of whispers. We're talking at full volume now. <laughs> Luca is going to take a bold step forward. I mean, you're still invisible. Well, yeah. Well, so this is this is the thing. So if Val, you know, kind of tries to yank on his shirt, he will remain invisible or whatever he was holding on to. Val is not going to pull Luca back, but will just kind of attempt to follow <laughs> and lead Mick with him. All right. Then as an invisible man, boldly stepping forward. As bold as you can while being invisible. <laughs> Luca um, kind of calls up. Do you know where we are? Of course I know where you are. You are at my tower. Now, what are you doing at my tower? Why won't you show yourself? I have no control of that. Luca reaches back and bats Val's hand away and says, my apologies. He doesn't actually know necessarily how this magic works. He's going to assume it's that. So he does. He does try to, he reaches back and kind of tries to yank Val's hand down. So Val's hand, he just, not the strongest man, but he's trying to make Val let go. Val will let go very alarmedly. You do not become visible, though. <laughs> <laughs> Bone chucks. In that case, Luca says... Unfortunately, I am not able to control that. However, I must ask you, where is your tower? Whatever do you mean? You are standing in it. I have recently... Oh, do you mean what happened to it? Is, no. Uh, well, yes, but no, I mean, where is the, the place I was? I descended a mountain. We saw your tower. We arrived here. But where I was before then, where I am from, only one sun hung in the sky. Yet here we can see... I, I don't even know, honestly, how many. I don't know how I came to be here. And to be honest, I don't know where here is. I just know it is not the new world that I was sent to. New world? What is that, then? I d don't know anything else to call it. I passed through a portal to a new world and touched a gem and arrived here. And all I know is that here is not there. That is for sure, because here is for sure here. But that is an interesting story. I have not heard of any new worlds that have been made. At least not by my master. But I also am not very comfortable going on in this conversation with a ghost. I would like to see you. If I release this spell, do you promise to parley with us in peace? Oh, so there are more than you then. Yes, I agree to your terms. Okay, I will uh, release invisibility on myself and Luca only. Keeping an ace in the hole. Classic. Okay, uh, Luca, now visible. I'm guessing he can see himself. Can you see yourself if you're invisible? I think you can see yourself, but you can't see other people who are invisible. Then Luca doesn't actually know that he is no longer invisible. I guess, no, he saw he saw Val's now. Because he, yeah. he didn't see Val originally. And now he sees Val. It means that he can surmise that he's now visible. And you see her, her eyes grow wide with excitement. And she kind of scoots in her stool a little ways toward you, uh, leaving her sword on the anvil. And she says, oh, you are small. I couldn't tell if there were a few little ones or one slightly littler one. But one, two, two of you. Very nice. I recognize neither of you. We are strangers here. So could you tell us who is your master? Where we may be? What this place is called? You spoke of new worlds being created. Assume that... And it, least you understand something of what it could be who are you i am luca 
As I said, I come from another world, was transported to a new one, and have been brought here. By what power, I know not. Luca. It is a good name. My name is Anarion. I am a winged of Ayueti. And you are in the realm of Ayueti. So Luca understood, like, uh, three words there. Uh, did those mean anything to Val? Since Val isn't that familiar with the sanguine transliterations, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that was my fear. So is that name Are you Renny? No, I U E T I apostrophe U E T I. And what is I U E T? You mean who is I U E T? I U E T is my master and the creator of this realm. How have you come to here and not known who our governing virtue is? Perhaps you are more familiar with the, I believe, Inuriot what the humans of Egedon call him. He is the virtue of Bile and the God. However, some humans view him as a Valor, the one of sickness and pestilence. But here, he is a virtue. Interesting. So tell me, Luca, what are you doing here at my tower? Have you come to best me in combat? She gives you a uh, mocking once-over and then kind of a wry smile. You will lose. Don't tempt him. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't randomly attack people for no reason. Oh, wait. That is you. No. He had a reason for Mossy. He was suspicious of him. Okay. Um, I think the reason, reason for enough. stabbing Mossy was that we were taking too long to make a decision. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happens. Well, Luca is... Honestly, no. I have no interest in fighting you. In fact, I have no interest in your tower at all. We merely arrived here as it was the only thing we could see. And to be honest, from afar, it did not look like it was anyone's tower. Just a place where we could sit and rest for a while. She uh, gives a little harumph and then takes a hammer and starts working away on her sword, reshaping the tip. She says, huh, then strange folk you are. Of course, I have seen very few as small as yourselves. If you're not here to fight, I would have assumed you were here for the shard then. But also, no. Honestly, I am only here to leave. I am seeking some way to return to... Would Luca recognize the name Agadon? Yeah, I think you've heard it. Okay, okay, then that case. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, it's I, never been spoken in the podcast. Well, well, this is, this is the, yeah, so like, that's... I guess my question true. is, Luca didn't pay a lot of attention in Rift training school. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if he would... Connect the dots? Yeah, like, I'm not sure he would. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say he wouldn't. So he's gonna be... All I need to do is return to a city called Threshold. I honestly don't even know where that city is located, but that is where I need to go. You are quite out of your element. Hmm. Perhaps I can help you, and you can help me. We're going to flash over to the others now. So, as you are entering the village, this group of sanguine have started to coalesce around you. They haven't said anything yet, but they're definitely looking at you with surprised expressions. Obviously, there hasn't been anyone new or anyone unlike them in a long time, if ever. One of them steps forward, and he, with a uh, sharp fingernail, pricks the tip of one of his fingers, letting a tiny drop of blood fall into the palm of his hand. He holds it up, and you see it take different shapes, and he says, at least only if Ron can understand this, he says, friend or... Friend. As I have said, we are friends. And we have no ill will towards you. 
My name is Efran. This is Lyrian and my other companion, Rhys. May I ask your name? None of us have names. It has been too long. I see. Perhaps you may be of some assistance to us. As you surely know, we are not from here. We have traveled here quite by accident. If I am not mistaken, this is the realm of Nakmatera. You are correct. Have you been sent by her? Are you the answer to our prayers? I do not know for what you pray, but perhaps, perhaps we are. Perhaps in helping you, we may find a solution to our own problem. For you see, we wish to return to Egadon, but we do not know how. We touched a gemstone of sorts that sent us here. I do not know by what power, but here we are. And if it is fate that has brought us together, then very well. Another one of the sanguine steps forward a little younger, and he says, If you are here, then you must be cursed as us. And what curse is it you speak of? We are are not alive here, and if you are wise, you will leave before you suffer the same fate. Do you know of a way to leave this place? We cannot. Something keeps us bound within the valley, and I am quite sure that the longer you stay, so too will you suffer this fate. I see. Very well then, friend. I have but two questions for you. Do you know of an exit of where we can leave this place? And the second question, what is it you prayed for? The first sanguine steps forward again and he says, We prayed for our curse to be ended. We drink, but are always thirsty. We eat, but we are always famished. We feel neither pleasure nor pain. If we do expire, we simply wake in our beds once more as if from a bad dream. But the nightmare continues into the waking world. We we have tried to petition Nakmatera to end our suffering, but she has never shown herself here. There are rumors of a way to end our existence permanently, but I fear they are just that. Rumors. Perhaps we can be of some assistance to you. What rumors are these? Must we go somewhere? See, we are anxious to leave, but I have learned... Never to turn away someone in need. The young sanguine speaks up again and he says, These are more than rumors. They speak of a a blade capable of cutting through curses itself. It would not harm flesh or blood, but any curse or hex that it touched would be stripped away. If it exists, that is. It's said in the stories to be split among the virtues, so that none may have power over the others. Every time we perish, whether from our own means or... Whatever desperation has clung to us now in this God's forsaken valley, we glimpse a shard of this blade. It always appears on some sort of, uh, I, I don't know what the, and the older one says, a pedestal, in what looks like a stone structure, a beam of moonlight, always strikes the shard from, from, from behind it, the younger sanguine pipes up, from behind it, always from behind, and as you know, the moon here, you may have seen, does not move. We've searched these mountains and valley, but cannot go beyond it. Hmm. Very well. Then we shall seek out this shard, for I believe it will be beneficial to you and to us. Do you have any idea where we should begin our search? As we said, the other one speaks, we are unable to leave the valley. 
we cannot render you any assistance. We have no food or drink. There is, however, no danger present here. Do not worry about those ravens that circle above you now, as if you are nigh unto death. They always do that for us, picking our bodies clean as they slowly decompose here, aging into oblivion. He kind of just goes into a thousand-yard stare, just right past Ifran, and he blinks himself awake and he's like, I'm, I am sorry. We have been here a long, long time. I am sorry to hear it, my friend. We will do what we can to help you. If it is the case that the curse settles upon one the longer they stay in this valley, I believe it is best that we leave. That is a good idea, but I must say, it is only a single shard of the blade that we glimpse in our nightmares, not the entire dagger. Whether or not this shard would have the same power, or a fraction of it, is unknown to us. But, like we said, it's rumored that it is split up among all of the virtues. Very well. We shall seek it out, and we shall try our luck. At the very least, we will have answers by the end of this. And then Ifran turns to Lyrian and Reese, and he says, My friends, it seems that the only hope of us escaping this place is through finding a shard of a blade that has the power to cut through curses and hexes. I do not know where it is located. The locals have said they are bound to this valley. However, they have said that the moonlight strikes it from behind. Always from behind. What this means, I cannot rightly say. But it is best that we leave this valley immediately. The longer we stay here, the more likely it is we are to become cursed like them, undying, bound to this valley. Very well, but how did they become cursed? Have they always been here, or were they placed here by someone? I can ask them, but I believe as to how they were cursed. I think they believe that it was Nakmatera, the ruler of this realm, that placed the curse upon them. But I will ask them how they came to be here. And Efron asks them after turning back. A third sanguine speaks up and she says, We were placed here, all of us, as punishment for our crimes against our lord, Nakmatera. You see, she is a virtue, and of course we revere her as such, as one of the five governing virtues. But she is also the Valor, a forbidden knowledge and the void. And we are those who are foolhardy enough to try to tap into that power. And because of that, we were punished. And we were sent here to be given only a glimpse of what the void truly holds. I am sorry, my friend. It is a hard fate. But we must be off. We will return, hopefully with the shard. And hopefully, it will be able to break your curse. But I cannot promise anything. Lyrian, what are your favorite terrains? Forest and mountains. Nice. Then I say we head back out of the valley and towards the mountains and try to find uh, a, a stone pedestal where the moonlight hits it from behind. So I guess we're traveling towards the moon. Yes. Very well. I mean, in the direction of where they said they've gone, but never gone past. So the valley... So the three of you turn away. The Sanguine watch you leave their quaint little homes. And as you pass again through this mountainous terrain and around this bend, exiting the valley once more, you follow your path toward the moon. Back in the other plane, Ayueti's plane, the blacksmith looks down at Luca and Val. And she points to Val and says, You have not introduced yourself. Uh, my my name is Valmes Sulisel. I am an Elvoret of the Kinlands. Huh. I have heard of your kind 
Though never seen one. You are interesting. Please, come here. And she reaches for you and beckons you close. I go closer. (laughs) I'm very stiff when I do it. (laughs) So her large hands kind of caress the top of your head and then hold up one of your little arms between her finger and her thumb. And she gives you a tiny little squeeze, which is pretty painful. (laughs) And then she gives a little laugh and she lets you go. And she says, truly, today is a blessed day. Ayueti has seen to grace me with new companions, new friends. Like I said, you will help me. I will help you. You seek a way to return to your home? This new world, is it? Yes, it is called Egedon. Ah, <laughs> what other world is there? <laughs> yes, yes, I know of it. Though visited it, I have not. I see it many a time in the night sky, but... I have never been able to fly so far. There is one way, of course, to leave this place where, well, I guess two. You could, of course, ask Ayueti for his blessing to then be transported back to wherever you were before. Or you can use the shard of Imen. What is this shard? The the shard? Of course. You, you've never heard of the shard of Imen? Have, have I heard of the shard? <laughs> Oh, absolutely not. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> the, the the curse breaker. The blade of the void. Bane's touch. Not ringing any bells. It sounds very important, but uh, no. <laughs> As I said, strange folk you are. Tell you what, then. I am generous today. And in good spirits lately. I have had many victories in the clouded fields above. I sense a great unrest in you, however. And your desire to return home is no mystery to me. A favor for you, a favor for me. Unconditional. When you are needed, you will be called, and you will come. I see you, she says, referring to Luca, already bear a mural's mark. (laughs) That is a foul creature you have made a pact with. What was it that you were promised, huh? What was it you had to accomplish? I was promised continued life, and I was required to hunt evil. Though... I later learned not for the purposes I assumed. Mm. This pact was by no means my own desire. Hunt evil. I assume take the souls of evildoers. What else would a mural want? An easy feat, yes. But, of course, I'm sure you have learned a lie. Nonetheless, murals have no such power. Whatever it gave you, it cannot take back. However, whatever you gave it is lost forever. I hope it was nothing overly important. Just a couple of souls. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think what it gave me was... It healed your, me. Yeah, your life back. So that was okay, Deese. So you're not going to die. Yeah, so I'm not going to die. He just said that it doesn't have any power over me, so that's good. So I guess they got Algir's soul, but we already revealed that as a Valor. So I'm home free. Nice. Cool. And what's her face's soul? Tristra. After you disemboweled her. Tristra. I did, did, did they get her soul? I don't know. Probably. If you did it with the I bone dagger. I think you dagger, did. I you killed her with her a bone dagger, I'm pretty sure. Well, in that case, Luca's going to look up, um, and he's going to be staring at... It's Anorian. 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 He's looking at Anorian, and he says, Well, if it can require nothing else of me, then the price was worth it. Time will tell. Now, which one of you will take my brand, then? Um, can Val message 
Mick real quick. I was just about to give you a letter. I was about to ask if everything's invisible. I was going to write you a note being like, it's a trap. Don't you, do it. You hand me an invisible letter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I'm going to message Mick and say, uh, what do you think of this? So in Mick's mind, they say, well, I think that is it's a rather precarious endeavor, to be honest. I think that we should consider what are the types of engagements that she would want us to make a pact. Luke is going to do something very rash if they like if they have like, a 30 second conversation. Right. So if they're like messaging back and forth for a sec. And Luke is not obviously not really in on the vibe. He is going to jump in front of this particular bus of his own free and true volition. I'll time. do it. I'll take the ring to Mordor. <laughs> no, I do not know the way. So what does Luca do? Oh, uh, yeah. So th- while they're conversing about this, Luca just stands forward. I already bear the curse of one being. I can't imagine one more mark can stain me. I will take the mark. Whatever you need. Oh, perhaps we should think about this. <laughs> he said what he said we'll see what she does to you now yeah, well, we're, we're gonna well i mean like so he he said that she said perhaps yeah. you should think about this um luke is not going to respond to her until after blacksmith lady responds she picks you up puts you and on by the her anvil. i mean him he will not respond to val who's a <laughs> him until uh she responds she smushes him with the anvil no she puts you on the anvil and then her mark is on her hammer that she so and I'm like a pancake. <laughs> She's like, oh, dang, not again. Oh, there's <laughs> another one coming in. What could possibly be going wrong? Like, Why does this it? happen every time? They always die when I give them my mock. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so she she kneels down a little on one knee and she extends her finger and scratches under Val's chin almost. She's like, I'm sorry, my dear, but it is too late for that. He has agreed. That is freaking weird. How you doing? (laughs) How you doing? Well, I mean, to her, you guys are like as if it were like a dog or something. You know, like yeah. I don't know if we're like that small, but okay, chinchilla. Small things. (laughs) Now onto the anvil with you, and then from the forge, the red hot forge, she withdraws a set of calipers. Why do she, I do this to myself? And she digs around a little and she says, oh, they're in here somewhere. Red hot. Red, there we go. And she takes out the tiniest little thing. It's maybe two inches. And she just lays it on her thumb and you just hear this sizzle and this popping as her skin starts to burn and blister. And then she takes Luca, a hand behind his back, and right onto your left cheek, she presses this little thing right into there. Man, these people really like the face. <laughs> he just said the Whoa. back. Which... <laughs> I'm sorry, Ry, would you care to finish your sentence? <laughs> and you can feel this burning into your skin, and then she releases it, and it just falls out of your cheek and onto the ground. And it burned away maybe like a quarter of an inch of your cheek. So. All right. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Burned wait, away wait, as in flesh no longer exists on this quarter of an inch of my cheek. And I'm going two face hole in mouth. We've already established that things like this don't phase Luca after the whole pinky thing. <laughs> oh, he's so. about to scream the crap. The pinky thing was okay. That was like 
Oh, I lost my pinky. That was crazy. Lost my pinky. Oh, that's fine. Luke but losing, losing my cheek. Oh! Well, I'm just <laughs> saying. No, no, no. These okay, guys no. always maybe, go for the face. Maybe quarter, quarter of an inch, I guess, is maybe too much. How much is a quarter of an inch? A quarter of an inch. It's like really not that much, but I'm just trying to know if like the entire it's flesh like is gone or See if that. a brand has been left deeply in my face. See that space no, no. between my yeah, fingers? The brand... So I won't give it an exact measurement, but the brand has been left deeply in your face. There isn't a hole in your cheek, okay. but there is like an indentation where there is now this burn scar. All right. All right. Nice. Um, Luca screams uh, <laughs> violently. You don't say. <laughs> he says a couple like of a words. <laughs> um, he's, he's very, very uh, agonized at this moment. A little part of him is wondering why he keeps putting himself in these situations. A greater part of him is just screaming. <laughs> He's going to be out of commission for a bit. Did she grab him in any way? Or is he fine to like smack that thing out of the way? I, obviously, I understand it's obviously. It already fell to the ground. All right, fell to the ground. Okay. He also is going to fall to the ground clutching his cheek. Um, he, he's, he didn't like this. This did not feel good. And she, the blacksmith looks down at Val and she just like gives a little tisk. She's like, little ones, you are so weak. 